of prayer in for the month of November, the gate of power. Um, the Lord God is has been and he continues to speak to us about power um, this month. And um, I'll be sharing this morning by the grace of God, something he laid on my heart and we will pray. So um, I believe we're still going to be looking at, good morning, Hannah. We're still going to be looking at Exusia power. Interestingly, when I started doing my study for this session, I didn't, I wasn't even planning to, I mean, I, I wasn't sure of which of the areas the Spirit of God was going to have us cover. But it was while I was studying that I began to see that exousia is a theme, you know, that I believe maybe for the for this particular prayer we will be looking at. Um so the Lord started to speak to me about the power of choice. And you know, are we recording this meeting? Um Yes, it's recording. Okay, it's been recorded. You said to me about okay, the power of choice. And um, you know, the power to choose. And I know it's something we I'm very sure if you've heard that we have you have the power to choose. What's that behind my back? Okay. I wanted to be sure what was hanging. Um if you've if you've ever heard it before, please I just want you to wave in the comments because I know it's something we've heard a lot uh, that, yes, we have the power to choose. God has given us the power to choose. We, as you know, as humans, we have the power to exercise our choice and, you know, decide, make decisions and all of that good stuff. And that is true. And that is fantastic. Um, and when I was actually studying that, that was where the study began for me. But I started to realize um, as I looked through scripture. So let's look at. Um, the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, a scripture that we all know too well. Um, please get your Bibles. I was reaching for my Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Holy Spirit, have your way and minister to us this morning. Hold our attention in the power of the Holy Spirit. Teach us. Don't let our minds wander from where and to places that you have not permitted until your heart is fully delivered to us this morning in the name of Jesus. We pray that you will seize the atmosphere of our minds and the atmosphere of our lives to surrender and submit and yield to the word of truth, that the light of God will flood every area of our lives this morning in the name of Jesus. Write upon the words that are spoken and the prayers that are raised in this place and let the name of Jesus be exalted and be lifted far above every other thing that may stand in our lives in the name of Jesus and unlock for us, Lord, the riches that are hidden in your word, that the glory of God may rest upon us in Jesus name. Amen. So let's open to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I believe it's verse 15. So the word of God says, Listen closely. I have set before you today life and prosperity, good, and death and adversity, evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk, that is to live each and every day 
in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, his precepts, so that you will live and multiply and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are inherent, which you are entering to possess. I love how the scripture says, it says, so that you will live, you will multiply and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to possess. So you will live, you will multiply, and the Lord will bless you. So the fact that you are multiplying is not the full extent of the blessing that God has for you. And where did he say he will do? He said he will bless you in the land which you are entering to possess. So he's talking about the land that he's taking you to. He's talking about the great and effective door. He's talking about the gate of power that he's calling you to possess. Praise God. It says, but in verse 17, it says, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear and obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will certainly perish. You will not live long in the land which you cross the Jordan to enter and possess. So yes, you will enter the place. You will enter the, 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 the city. You will enter the position. You would, you know, you would enter, you will cross, you will make the crossing, but it is not a guarantee that you will prosper in the place. Um, it says that you will not live long in the land which you cross the Jordan to enter and possess. And then verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have said before you life and death and blessing and the curse, therefore you shall choose life in order that you may live and you and your descendants. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So this is very interesting. I love the way the word of God um, explains it in, you know, in detail. It says, uh, I declare to you today, you will certainly perish. So it now begins to set um, two parallels, perishing and prosperity. And this is a thing we're going to see today um, in the short time that we have to share. So the Bible says, I lay before you life and death. So, you know, as I said, when we started, we may know that one of the greatest gifts that we have is our ability to choose and, you know, the power to choose, if you may. But sometimes what we do not see is, you know, the other part of it, which is that um, our choices also determine how much we prosper. Our choices also determine whether or not we will prosper or whether or not we will perish. So when we're talking about the gate of power, we must realize that your choice in itself is a key to unlocking power. Your choice in itself is a gate that can open you up to power and prosperity or to perishing. And we see that in this scripture. God says that I've laid before you life and good or death and evil. And he 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 says, um, life is good. It is about you have the choice to make. He says, but I command you today to love your God. And then he says, you have to choose. So he says, yes, I've laid these two um possibilities in front of you. But what I love about the Lord is that He always shows you what to do. And I believe that one of the things that the Lord is doing for us in this season, or what He seeks to do for us, is you know, help us grow past the point of just engaging him blindly 
as children, but as sons, mature sons that are able to, and when I talk about sons, I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about stature in God, sonship, responsibility, um, authority as it were. And so um, I believe that one of the things the Lord would be establishing or seeks to um, establish in our lives is the trust that we have in him. I realize that many of us don't trust God. Many of us do, do not trust God. And you cannot trust someone that you do not know. So, or rather, maybe not us on this call, but many people, many Christians do not trust God. And so that is why their work with God will continue to be a religious work. It will be religious until you get to the point where you can break past religiosity and enter relationship. It is relationship that makes you trust the person. You know, the other day we talked about how it is your experiences that um, pretty much your experiences, shared experiences with a person that birth and creates intimacy and keep you well acquainted with a person. So just because you knew someone last year or you've known them all your life, but you haven't seen each other in like a year, yes, there are certain things that are still the same, you know, like, you know, their name, you've, you may have heard in the last 10 years, they had kids, they moved across town, um, you know, got a new job, all of those things. But you haven't seen the person in a while. You haven't spoken with them in a while. You have probably not kept in touch as much, even if you have. It's different when you finally see each other. And when you see each other, you you know, are there some friendships that you hear people talk about how, oh, this friend, we don't see so and so and so. But when we see and when we talk, it's like no time has passed. But there are certain friendships where you guys thought you were actually, you know, in touch with each other. But then you just begin to realize when you have the opportunity to come together that, it's like this friendship is not really working again. Or the jokes that the person is cracking, they are rolling your eyes. You're just like, ah, please, this is awkward. This thing is not funny to me. You know, um, the things they want to do, their activities, their hobbies. And for them, they're just like, ah, come now. These are things we used to like. These are things we used to enjoy. It's not because they are bad people. It's just that both of you were just not well acquainted in the time that you spent apart. And that now you're beginning to realize that you're just not the same people anymore. You don't like the same things. You don't want the same things. You've made different choices that have helped you both arrive at different places in life. And those choices have now automatically determined whether or not you're going to be in each other's lives. Stay with me. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because... Um, of the need for us to stay in line with the spirit of God. And it's not a threat. It is not something that's meant to threaten us and make us feel like, ah, if you don't follow the spirit, you're going to be missing out. Eh, yes, you will be missing out, but that should not be intention, be the intention to why you follow. It must come from a place of love and trust. And some people do not trust God, like I said, and that's why it will just continue to be religion. It will just continue to be, order you know yes god is master and his word is here and amen but there's a difference between the servant or the son that trusts his master or trusts his father and the one that's just trying to just follow instructions just trying to follow obligation i've seen myself in times where i have done things just out of obligation and duty and i know the difference when i'm doing something from a place of love engagement you know and because i want to do it that is what makes the difference. When you trust a person, you are able to relate with them from a place of understanding. So we cannot talk about understanding in isolation of trust. The Bible says, trust in the Lord 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So when we talk about having the eyes of our understanding enlightened, it cannot be done without trusting God. So trust is something that I believe the Lord wants to address in this time. He has to address it. And so if you're here and you know, and you know the thing, we always know whether or not we trust God. It may not be in everything. There may be certain things. And by reason of experience and just seeing how God has dealt with you, you are able to, would I say, trust, uh, for lack of a better word, you are able to tell that, okay, yes, God always comes through. How he does it sometimes, you're not sure, but the confidence because he has shown up over and over again. But that's not the kind of, God doesn't want it to be limited to that kind of trust and that kind of engagement. He wants a trust that is bred from a place of devotion. It's not devotion of, you know, not the way the world has defined devotion now where it is still just a practice based on, oh, I have to do it. But devotion that is um, flowing from a place of love. So love, trust and understanding is like a threefold cord that cannot be broken. And these are ingredients. These are things that we need to have in this season of power, in this season where the Lord is speaking to us about the gates of power. And so our choices either produce life and good power or death and evil perishing. Our choices are um, not just, you know, they are not just a path to pleasure or pain, but they are a gate to power. And, you know, we see in scripture, people who exercise power, I'm just going to run quickly so that we can have good time to pray. Um, people who exercise power in scripture, there are a couple of people, there's Deborah, as we know, um, there's Esther. Um, but one person that we all know, I believe we're familiar with his story is Daniel. And you see the thing about Daniel that I really, really, um, that I noticed was that Daniel did not start experiencing power and influence and all of those things when he got to the place of power, as it were. Um, I believe that it was the choices that Daniel had made because, you know, there was a criteria for which the people had to be selected. There was a criteria for which um, they were recruited. And I believe that they were not the only nobles in that land. So yes, he people would, in this day, they will call it maybe privilege or, you know, opportunity. Yes, opportunity got him there. But I believe that choice, intentionality, and the decisions that he made always, you know, positioned him in a place where he was able to, uh, you know, express... Um, pretty much um put him in a place of privilege um would i say privilege yes let's say privilege so daniel in babylon daniel the person and babylon the place we would look we'll keep looking at places um in this in this time while we share because we see how uh you know the places that we are going to and the places that god is calling us to they are very very important patterns we must look at and this anchor scripture we're looking at in deuteronomy is talking about you know the place that god is taking you to the place he's taking you to so yes you the person and also the place he's taking you to and the purpose for which he's taking you there so daniel in babylon and daniel the person we can also look at josh um Joseph, sorry. We can also look at Joseph. We can also look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah as the cup bearer and then Nehemiah as the builder. You know, um, Joseph, even when he was in prison, when he was in Potiphar's house, you know, and even when he stood before Pharaoh, it was the choices that he made. 
Look at Joseph, classic example, saying, why will I do this thing and sin against God? You know, so it wasn't just about, oh, I can't. It's, the choice that he was making was not a selfish choice. Yes, he he must have acknowledged that. And, you know, the way people explain it is this, they say that um, as, as a servant, you are owned by your master. So as we say in Nigeria, Oga's wife, anything Oga wants, Oga's wife wants. They say happy man, happy, 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 happy wife, happy life. So whatever the 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 boss's wife wants, pretty much you are subject to her needs and to her demands. So what Potiphar's wife was doing, I believe it was not the first time she was doing it. For her to have tried it with Joseph. Um and it it must have been it must have taken her on her ways because I'm sure she must she had probably tried it before and she had gotten away with it. Um, but Joseph understood that yes, this is tempting. Yes, it has the possibility of you know giving me some level of privilege. Um, it has the possibility of giving me you know some kind of favors in the palace. Um, if the Potiphar's wife is trying to be cute with me, um, it's going to maybe you know they're just setting it. Other people would have translated it or, you know, um, taking it up as an opportunity for their selfish gain and they may have fallen into that trap. But he saw be beyond the pleasure or the pain because if he had gone ahead and sinned against God, yes, he would have received a certain kind of pleasure, reward, according to how much Potiphar's wife would have rewarded him, you know. And even his decision to say, no, I have to stand as a holy man. I have to stand. I cannot, you know, again, I can't stand against my God. I can't stand against what I believe. Um, he saw past the pain of that because with every choice that we make, there are doors. There are doors um, that either lead us to life or lead us to death. Sometimes the current experience or sometimes the current implication of our choices may be reduced or rather may be experienced in pain or pleasure or from a place of emotion. And that's why we must not limit ourselves to emotions. So imagine if Joseph limited himself to how he's feeling, the pain he was going through, the fact that he had been in prison, you know, and he's just like, ah, my finally, my big break, this is just a small thing, a little here, a little there, nobody has to see, you know, all of that. If he had compromised based on how he was feeling, he would have, in fact, I'm sure he had no idea of the great and effective door that was actually open ahead of him. He had no idea that leading to that place of power was another phase of going through pain and being in the prison and being persecuted and all of those things. But it wasn't just about the pain or the emotions. He had to ground himself in the choice that he was making. He made that choice because he understood that if he did not grow weary in doing good, he would reap the reward. He would reap the reward. And, you know, like we shared the other day, just like the Hebrew boys, they said, God is able to deliver us. And even if he does not, we are not going to bow. It is that kind of resilience. It is that kind of doggedness that is required for a man that is going to be qualified in this time of power. So it's not lily livered, you know, or, or, or fake or false, um, expression of power that is going to qualify us but it has to be something that is strong rooted and grounded on the inside of us praise god i hope you're still with me so it was his choices daniel 
we see also Daniel um, in the book of Daniel. It was his choices he had made before arriving at the gate of power that actually kept him powerful and relevant through time. I'm just reading. Um, I'm just reading through my notes. Why can't I see the full notes? Okay, sorry, it took me way past. Yeah, so I said our choices are just a path to or of pleasure or pain. So your choice is a path to either pleasure or pain. You know, um, it's not just limited to that, but it is a pathway. It is a gate to power. Um, sometimes the greatest weapon, if not properly understood, can become your biggest adversary. And so you must master it. Um, so the greatest weapon can also be your greatest adversary. And the reason why we're talking about adversary this morning is because Paul said it, that a great and effective door has been opened unto us, but there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries, yes. There will be external contention, but you don't want to find yourself in a position where you are um, walking into the promises that God has spoken ahead of you concerning your life but the battles you are then trying to, to fight are mostly the internal battles that are happening on the inside of you. And so a man must understand that <clears throat> for you to be, a person must understand that for you to be able to exercise your choice, you must understand how to choose. So there is the art of choosing. There is the art of choosing. You must understand how to exercise choice. So when we hear choice, it's not just about what we see on the physical there are steps to it. There's an art of it, you know, and I believe that there's, there's so much more. There are more layers to it. But for the purpose of this call, I'm just going to share a few. The art of choosing. Number one, consciousness. You must be conscious. You must know where you stand. You must know the tables. It is something that Apostle Isi, you, you know, she has said over and over. You must be conscious of the tables that are set before you. You must be conscious of the opportunities, the tables, the possibilities that you are sitting before. If anyone asks you today, what are the tables that are set before you? And we're not just talking about the physical dining table, but the tables of opportunity, the tables of power, the tables of engagement, the choices that, um, you know, and the decisions that you have to make today and the things that are facing. Do you even know the things that are placed before you? Many times people sell themselves short because they are not conscious of the table that is set before them. And so knowing the table that is present before you. And we see how Daniel, Daniel was able to, um, you know, make a choice. Why? Because he understood that it's not just this physical table that I'm seeing. It's not just this table that is set in front of me, but there is more. Behind every physical table is a spiritual table. And so that was why he could engage from the place of the spirit to now inform what he will do in the physical. And so he was able to make a demand. He was able to place a proposal and he was able to negotiate from the place of the spirit. And from that place of negotiating, see, Daniel was already making choices. Even before he stood before Nebuchadnezzar, when he was standing in front of the eunuch, he was already exercising that choice. I believe it wasn't the first time Daniel was finding himself in a situation like that because it's the things that you have practiced and the things that you have mastered. Those things that you have mastered, rather, those are the strategies that you will practice and implement anywhere or in any place where you find yourself. So anything you have not practiced, anything you have not mastered, and you know, it's like 
practice mastery, sorry, practice mastery, you practice again, you master, you practice and you master. So you have to first practice it for you to master it so that you can now continue to, will I say, reproduce it and to continually use it as strategy in future. I want us to open to the book of Daniel. And I want us to read those first scriptures in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter one. Maybe I should read from the other version because this is amplified that I have in my hand. It may not capture it the way that I studied it, but let's, let's see. Is anyone there? Daniel chapter one. The Bible says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord God, the, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the house of God, and he brought them into the land of Shina, to the house of his God, and brought the articles into the treasury of his God. And the Babylonian king told Ashpenaz, the king of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some from the royal family and from the nobles, young men without blemish and handsome in appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with intelligence and discernment, and quick to understand, competent to stand in the presence of the king, and able to serve in the king's palace. Do you think that it was just, I mean, when you read this scripture, you begin to see, and this is Amplified. I like how Amplified actually, you know, expounds on the scripture. Do you think that it was just because he was born into royalty that he was recruited? I don't think so. I don't think so because it now begins to show you the level of competence that these men had. It had to take intentionality for them to arrive at this point where they were even worthy of being considered by the king, you know. And he says, um, young men without blemish, Handsome in appearance, fantastic, without blemish, handsome. Hey, now Jesus do um, you know, we thank God for that. If you're looking at it on the surface level, but it goes beyond that. It says, now skillful in all wisdom, endowed with intelligence and discernment. You must understand that discernment in itself does not, it's, it's not because we come together, we pray and we say, oh God, bless me with the spirit of discernment. That's fantastic. And that's a good place to start. But what does it mean to pray for something? Remember, more than we can ask, think, or imagine. For you to be asking for something, you must be ready to give yourself to the demands. You must be ready to give yourself to the demands of what is required of the thing that you are asking. And so it is not just to ask, it's not to sit down and imagine. You imagine it, you meditate on it. The meditation of it begins to show you the and you know meditation is not just sitting down and being idle and just thinking about a thing no meditation is strategic thinking and with the influence through the influence of the spirit of god through meditation the spirit now begins to show you possibilities and pathways so it's one thing to see a picture but our God will show you the pathway because his word is the lamp and the light that shows you the pathway that you should go until you arrive at that picture, at that purpose, at the possibility that he, you have seen in the spirit. And so we're talking about discernment here, understanding, skillfulness, skillful in all, it says, skillful in all wisdom. These are not just things that ended in the prayer closet and did not bring a demand for diligence and determination. They had to pour themselves 
for you to have been recruited, you had to have given yourself through time, through experience, to certain things for you to be qualified. He says, endowed with intelligence, discernment, and quick to understand, competent to stand <clears throat> in the presence of the king and able to serve in the king's palace. He also ordered Ashrinas to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The, the king assigned a daily ration. Now read this. We've seen this many times, but pay attention to this. The king assigned a daily ration for them from his finest food and from the wine which he drank. They were to be educated and nourished this way for three years so that at the end of that time, they were prepared to enter the king's service. For three years, for three years, for three years. The Bible says, among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The commander of the officials gave them Babylonian names, Daniel named Belshazzar, Hananiah, he named Shadrach, Mishael, he named Meshach, and Azariah, he named Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile, taint, or dishonor himself with the king's finest food or with the wine which the king drank. So he asked the commander of the officials that he might be excused so that he would not defile himself. The Bible says that Daniel made up his mind you know that before you verbally express your choice, you have first chosen in your heart. You have first chosen in your mind. So the Bible tells us, first of all, I want us to pay attention to the fact that the king recommended that diet for how, for how long? It wasn't a 21-day Daniel fast of eating fruits as we have made it seem. You know, not to say there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes we must realize and understand the time that goes into sh into shaping certain things. So it wasn't a short period of time. It was three years of their lives that they were supposed to be feeding them and teaching them. What you eat determines how you are taught. It determines the quality of things that your spirits can receive. So it was a conditioning that was happening. The king was conditioning them for a setting them up for a certain kind of life and then teaching because what they were eating was now creating, how do I say this? I believe it was now creating, would I say, a platform or a pathway for their spirit to be able to receive. So it wasn't just, oh, come and eat. As you are eating from my government, you are also being indoctrinated. You are also being conditioned. And it was for a period of time. It wasn't a short-term quick fix. It wasn't It wasn't because, okay, they're already qualified. They have this, they have that. Okay, fantastic. Their own onboarding and orientation was meant to be done for a period of three years. It wasn't half-baked. It was intentional. That time, um, but Daniel made up his mind. He would not defile, dishonor himself with the king's finest food. And because of this choice that he made, because he was able to see, he was, like I said, from the realm of the spirits, it wasn't just a phys physical engagement. He saw from the spirits that this is not the only table. Why? Because through my own choice, I can unlock another table. Through my own decisions, another table can be opened for me. Through my own consciousness and through what I decide to do, 
other possibilities can be opened from the realm of spirit because it was the king's decision and the king's choice that caused this table to be opened. Therefore, my own choice can unlock and open up other tables for me. And so he said, and because of that, the Bible said, um, so he asked, so he asked the commander of the officials that he might be excused so that he will not defile himself. Now, God granted Daniel favor. Look, it was the favor of God because the choice and the decision that he made and the stance he took was unto the Lord. The Bible tells us that we must believe that he is and the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The problem is that sometimes we want to define, determine and know completely before we even start the reward metrics or the way that God wants to reward per time and per season. And it's not every time that we have all of those details, but that's why I said trust is also important. So God granted him favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has prearranged your food and your drink. For why should we see your faces looking more haggard than the, than the young men who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the young men who eat the king's finest food be observed and compared by you and deal with your servants in accordance with what you see. So the man listened to them in the matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it seemed they were looking better and healthier than all the young men who ate the king's finest food. So the overseer continued to withhold their fine food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So we see here how everything played out. It was because of the choice that he made and then because of that choice that he made or the, the decision, the stance that he took in his heart, he was able to realize and understand that there are other possibilities beyond what I am saying. So first of all, Daniel was conscious of the realm from which he was speaking and from the realm, the realm from which he was operating. Remember the other day we were talking about heaven and coming to the consciousness of the place, the kingdom of heaven. And not just doing things on the physical based on what you are told or what you are. Yes, there is law, there is order, there is government upon the earth. But there are certain situations in life, I believe, that will call for us to go, in fact, if not all situations, for us to question things, not just from the place of, you know, um, physical engagement, but from a spiritual place. And that's why we must know what kingdom or which kingdom we are representing and which kingdom we are operating from. So a consciousness of the kingdom and the realm from which you operate. A consciousness. And that consciousness alone, it's, you know, that Daniel had, it brought favor onto him. First, he painted a picture, he created a pathway. I believe that even when he made up his mind, he was making up his mind because he knew because he had clarity of what should obtain for him in that season. And, you know, like I said, God it will not just paint a picture and not show you the pathway. Yes, the pathway may be unlocked. It's, most times it is unlocked by our obedience. But at, at the very least, the first step that you must take, the Lord will show it to you. And sometimes it is in taking the first step 
that you see the next step and it big and it unravels. There are certain seasons where we will see clearly this is what you must do. You must go to a place. You will see a man here. You would, you know, partner with this person, full cut out, laid out strategy. And for that, we must run. But there are certain ones where we receive instruction by our obedience. It is our obedience that unlocks, you know, the pathway for us. So Daniel was conscious of where he stood. I want you to pray this morning that the Lord, yeah, 551, interesting. I hope you're awake. I hope nobody's sleeping because it feels very quiet, but I hope you're hearing the words that are being spoken, okay, this morning. The consciousness. I don't even want to rush through this message because if I'm going to be honest, I want to take my time and even chop it very well, you know, because this is such a timely message even for me, you know, um, the consciousness, and some of us have become so unconscious. We are so unconscious because our minds have been conditioned in such a way that, you know, we can't see beyond what we are receiving. We can't see beyond what we are eating. We cannot see beyond immediate, um, immediate evaluation of, is it pleasurable or is it painful? If it's pleasurable, I'm at that phase in my life where if it doesn't work for me, if it doesn't check my boxes, if it is not bringing me, people say if it's not bringing me profit, I cut it off. Why are you cutting it off? Why are you cutting it off? On whose scale and on whose measuring table are you able to determine that this profit is the full extent of the prosperity that God has in store for you? What picture have you seen and what pathway are you taking? What picture have you seen and what pathway are you taking? So some people just see immediate feeling and immediate passion and immediate emotion, but they cannot see big picture. It was one of the prayers I started praying for myself not too long ago in the month of October. I said, God, I cannot be a person that doesn't see the big picture. Ah, in fact, I think when I was making this prayer, I was even crying because I'm like, God, I don't want to be short-sighted anymore. I don't want to be someone that doesn't see the big picture. For you, and you know, there are people that are activity junkies. They get, they have a lot of energy to do works, but the works, if you look at them or if you engage them, you begin to see that it's like a rat race. You know, they're just like going on a treadmill. They're constantly in motion but they are not really arriving anywhere. Why? Because they don't even know where to arrive to. They're not conscious of the big picture. They're not conscious of the table. They're not conscious of the possibilities. And they're not conscious of the realms that are open in the spirit. They're not conscious of the spirit realm. So they're doing a lot of things here on the earth, in the physical, but they don't see big picture. They don't even, their own is just, okay, let me just quickly do this business. Let me make this money. Let me do this. There's no, there, there's no story, there's no mapping, there's no plan, there's no purpose. Everything is just, you know, as we say in Nigeria, as it hot, you just want to do this one here, do that one here, do that one there. Yes, it's fantastic. But the things about, you see, because as a builder, first of all, you don't just go and start building, actually. You have to sit down with an architect. You must see the plan. You must see the structure. I was watching this movie the other day. There was this, uh, basically this guy, he he was a spy um, and he used to do, um, what's it called? Um, 
He was a spy. He used to give intel to the American government. Um, I think it was in the time of um, the World War. So he was recruited by the American government um, to go and spy certain places. And like, you know, and the way that he used to do it was he would go to the city and he would just start walking around the city. It would be a small city. He would walk around the walk. Well, I was one of his skills anyway. He'll walk around the city and he's counting steps, counting steps. And people will be looking at him like, what's wrong with this guy? Is he crazy? And before there was any invasion of, you know, um, the German government, this guy was already ahead, you know, because they were, the government of America was already thinking ahead. They had a big picture. They were trying to figure out, okay, what is our plan in case this thing happens? Because they saw the possibilities. There may be war, there may be no war. So what is our plan just in case? So the guy will walk around after he has walked around and looked at the place over time. I don't know how long he will do it for. He will now go and start creating, um, what do they call those smaller structures? like a miniature, a prototype of the city. He will create it with, what's it called, with wood. And he has considered and fully calculated all the different parts of the city, the pathways, the bridges, the, you know, everything. And he has put it together in a little prototype. And it is with that prototype, they are able to now map out their agenda. They are able to know, okay, this is the safety. This is a safe house. You know, they're pretty much able to lay out a concrete structure. And yes, a model. Um, anyone on this call that is an architect that has worked with an architect for someone like me, I'm a pattern, well, what I'm a pattern maker, I'm a technical designer, amongst other things that I do. I understand architecture because for everything that is created, for every finished good, for every piece of clothing that you see someone wearing, they don't just sit down before the tailors even sit down and they start cutting, a technical designer has to be hired to do the pattern making and the technical construction of what you see. So there's a lot of thinking, even for the most creative businesses that feel like, oh, you know, everything starts with a plan. Everything starts with a plan. So it really starts with, so you must, the question is, are you conscious of the plan of the big picture? Do you even have one in place? Architect Joseph, aha, says true. Do you even have one in place? Or have you just been recruited as, okay, this one, is just for logistics. You know, in the race of life, some people are just running logistics because based on their qualifications from experience, they're like, okay, let's just hire this one to just keep doing delivery because he cannot see beyond. Let me just deliver this food from X to Y. Let me be the one that takes the finished clothes from the tailor to the wearer and let me collect my money for that. When there's a bigger picture, there's a, big, there's a bigger picture than logistics. There's sales, there's marketing what are the other roles there? There's technical design, there's production. There's, in fact, before all of this happens, there's the creative process of the person actually sitting and saying, you know what? I want to create a city. I want to build a city. I want to build a collection. I want to, I don't know why it is well. I want to build a collection. I want to create this masterpiece. It starts from there before the smallest part, or which is also an important part, the part of logistics, deliveries, quality control, all of those things. Those people are able, you know, you are able to recruit those people because they feed into the purpose of the big picture. And so this morning, my question to you is, what is the big picture? And where have you been engaging in the big picture? Have you just been hired to do, like I said, logistics running around because you have energy? They're just paying you per time, per hour. They're giving you $1 per hour because you want to take hourly wages. Or are you sitting at the table where these conversations and these decisions are being made? Because best believe 
tables are open every day. Tables are closed every day. Conversations of power are being had every day. And where do you fall into? What category can you be found in? Are you one of the decision makers? Or are you just one of those people that decisions have been made for? And even if decisions have been made for you, it is not too late to turn things around. And I believe when we get to the end of this teaching, we will see that. Let me touch on something else before we pray and we go this morning. I know it's Monday. We want to get our Monday, you know, started, start of the new week. So I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, so like I said, consciousness is where intentionality, discernment comes into play. Discernment doesn't just happen to a person because they ask for it. Like I said, one has to be intentional by giving oneself to the demands of what they desire. What is the thing that you desire? For every desire you have, trust me, there is a demand. If you want to be a beauty queen, you want to be a size eight, or you want to be a size 50, there is a demand. If you want to be size 50, please just start eating, sleeping. Don't do any kind of activity or exercise. Don't go anywhere. Don't have social life. That's the demand. If you want to be fit and active, you cannot give excuses when it comes to certain things. Let me know, good day. But the point is, for everything you desire, there is a demand. You must understand that. And like I said, you know, desire, demand. Think of it as big picture. Think of it as picture. Think of it as purpose and see the pathway that leads to achieving that purpose. So if you're intentional and conscious about a thing, that ultimately sets you up to be unintentional and uninvested in those things that oppose your desired results. So today I want us to sit down and actually do an audit. Begin by asking yourself, where am I right now? Where do I stand? What is the big picture of this current situation that I find myself in? This current, you know, this current phase that I'm in, what is the what is the expected end? What is God's opinion? Perhaps where is he taking me to? This logistics company, in quotes, and by logistics, I'm not talking about physical logistics company. Please, if you are here and you work in logistics, this is not, the Lord bless you for making sure we receive our packages on time in the mighty name of Jesus. And every spiritual package that God has for you, it will be delivered to you on time in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. But my point is this. In that logistics, have you ever sat down to ask yourself to try and track this thing? Where does it start from? This factory, do they have do you understand what like I'm I hope I'm I hope that what I'm doing is helping you go beyond the limitations that you have, you know, functioned in up until now. Have you ever sat down to question, okay, this thing that I'm doing, how can it be more effective? Yes, I am doing deliveries, blah, 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 but is there an app? Is there a way to manage time in such a way that we can have multiple deliveries happening over this same period of time and it can bring in more profit? How can I maximize my time? How can I give value to where I am so that I can even be seen and noticed and be given a promotion? Remember, with resurrection, ascension, there is even still promotion. So for every, it doesn't even matter how high you have gone. How, you know, how, how far up the ladder you have gone, how many experiences, encounters you have had, there's always room for promotion. There's always room to come up higher. So how can you improve the place that you are if you don't know the possibilities that are open to do the things that you are doing more effect effectively and more e efficiently? You must be able, 
you must be you must be intentional of being conscious in this season of your life. There are certain things consciousness brings unconsciousness to. It's like there's nothing that is independent of his own. And that's why the Lord in this scripture that we started in, he said, I bring before you life and death. He says, choose life so that you won't perish. So in choosing one thing, automatically something else is going to have to take the back burner. What are the things that the Lord is saying? Less of this and more of this in this season. It's like when we were in second, in, you know, growing up in Nigeria, at, at least that's what I know. We had this exercise where we'll do words and opposites. Sit down and strategize with the Holy Spirit today. As you go into this week, strategize. Have a list of spiritual and physical words and opposites. What are the virtues that the Lord is asking you to grow in in this season? What are the skills, the habits the Lord is telling you to master? What are some of the victories that you've had that the Lord is saying, yes, you've had this victory. You need to be conscious of the fact that you have had this victory and there is a possibility for you to recreate it and reproduce it. And in doing that, make a chat, make a list with the Spirit and say, okay, what are the things on this path and what are the opposites? So the things that are going to oppose it so that I can spend less time doing it. For some, it may be one thing you put on this on the side of you know investment, and there may be 10 things that match it that will oppose it. I want you to take your time today to actually create this list with the Holy Spirit. And what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, show me the big picture. Lord, help me to be conscious, Lord, of the place that I stand, Lord, and not just only see where I am, but let me see a path. Place a path in front of me by the light of your word. In the mighty name of Jesus. You see, one of the things I understand through scripture is for every experience you're going through, there's a story in scripture where you can draw light and you can draw clarity from. So it's for you to even understand where you are, for you to be able to do a mapping with the Holy Spirit. Whose story in scripture, if anyone asked you right now, this season of your life, whose story in scripture can you tie it to? What will you say? Are you in Abraham's season? Because for each person, they had many seasons. They were the ones that, you know, someone like Abraham, he had the season where he had to leave his mother and his father's house. So that was the season where he had to depart. There was a season where he had to trust God for a child. Then there was a season where God was calling him to even slay his Isaac. Different seasons for different people at different times. What season are you in now? And with all of those people that walked with God in scripture through their lives, through their experience, through their sacrifices, through all of the things that they encountered, you will be able to do a mapping of where you should be, the decisions you must make. Because these people's lives have been put in scripture. They are ex the examples of their lives, their mistakes, their victories, all of those things. It is for us. Scripture is to equip you. And in equipping, you see the lessons that you need to. There are certain lessons you don't even need to go through because these lessons have been lessons have been laid out for you. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, as we go back today and sit with the Spirit, He would show, He will help us to 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 arrive at a place of consciousness to the realm of the Spirit, to the place where we stand, understanding where we are right now in God's agenda understanding that we are not walking in silos or in isolation and if there has been any way that we have been running on activity and no revelation i pray that in the mighty name of jesus we'll be able to surrender and submit ourselves to the help of the holy spirit and so this morning holy ghost we ask for your help we ask that you will help us 
We ask that you will lead us. We ask that you will deliver us from even our selfish um, desires that limit us, the need for immediate gratification that delays us or derails us from your master plan for our lives. We pray for deliverance this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, fresh eyes, Lord, and fresh perspective this morning is what we ask for. In any way that we have sold ourselves short and we have settled because of immediate pleasure, we pray that you deliver us. Let us not be afraid to even renounce and denounce some of the things that we have accepted in time past. In the mighty name of Jesus, show us, Lord, that our choices, Lord, are gates to power. In the mighty name of Jesus, <clears throat> help us, almighty God. <clears throat> Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to make choices as carnal men, O oh God, but let us make choices as those that are conscious of the spirit realm in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, let there be a course correction. Reorder and realign our steps this morning. We know, Lord, that what we are asking cannot be done if we are not willing and if we do not engage with your spirit. And so, Lord, we give our hearts once again this morning in willingness, O oh God, to the work that you are doing in our lives, to the work that you are doing on the earth, to the work that is required for building your kingdom, to the ongoing work, Lord, and projects that heaven desires to be done upon the earth in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, help us as we go into this day, as we go into this week, as we continue in this month, Lord. The month is still new, oh God, but we thank you because you already preordained this time and this season. And so, Lord, we pray that the steps that need to be made, Lord, and the actions that need to be taken, Lord, to arrive at the purpose and the big picture that you have for us, oh God, Father, they will not be missed in the name of Jesus. We will not miss our opportunity, Lord, to sit with you, our opportunity to strategize with you, our opportunity to grow in maturity by reason of the decisions that we make in the name of Jesus. Lord, make us spirit conscious, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Everything that needs to be shut down in our lives, oh God, we receive the courage to shut them down. We receive the ability, oh God, to shut them down. Every taste, oh God, that is in us, Lord, that is not tailored, Lord, to um, um, the things that bring glory to your name, Lord. The tastes and the desires in us that do not glorify you, that do not edify us, O God, that do not strengthen us, Lord. The things that make us perish, our desires, our lusts, O God, that will bring death, Lord, to our lives. Father, we pray that we will be weaned off of them, Lord, by reason of this fast in the name of Jesus. Let your word be the new diet, O God, Lord, that fills us, O God, and reconditions us in our mind, in our souls, in our spirits, and even in our bodies, in the name of Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. We thank you and we bless your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for the strategies we are going to receive today. We are going this full on, we are going head on, Lord, fully trusting in you, Lord. And we pray, oh God, that even as your word says that as we trust in you, we will not be put to shame. Lord Jesus, that as we trust you, oh God, we would see the fruits, oh God, in the name of Jesus. For everyone that needs to be encouraged, for anyone whose trust has been attacked, oh God, we pray, Father, for restoration. We pray for encouragement. We pray for help, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Perhaps decisions have been made, oh God, and it seems like there are decisions that we cannot change. But Lord Jesus, we thank you because with you all things are possible. And so for everything that needs to be changed, shifted, adjusted, realigned, oh God, 
we give it to you. It is you that holds the hearts of kings in your hands. It was you that held the heart of Ashpenaz in your hands and you caused him to listen. Even when his life was at risk, oh God, he, you caused him to listen to the pleas and the demands of the man, Daniel. And so, Father, we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, there will be room for reconsideration, oh God, because we have favor with you and because we are realigning, oh God, unto your will and unto your purpose in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I really hope you were blessed this morning. I pray that you've been blessed. There are four other things in the art of choosing. I believe that tomorrow we'll be able to touch on. Um, we continue tomorrow, um, tomorrow morning by the grace of God. If Apostle is with us tomorrow, then maybe we will have uh another time when we talk about the um art of choosing otherwise by god's grace if i am leading the call tomorrow i will continue um in this in this teaching and in this light and we will close prayer in for the month of november tomorrow by god's grace um so please don't forget the things that we've shared today will there be 7 a.m prayers tonight um that will be announced um if we're having 7 a.m prayers Otherwise, we will be meeting tomorrow morning. Um, so look out on the community for the announcement for the 7 p.m. prayers, rather, today. Um, so as we go forth, like I said, remember to sit with the Holy Spirit and just take into consideration the things that he's going to do on your hearts. Remember discernment, the desires of our hearts, the things that the petitions that we have in the place of prayer, they all come with demands and responsibilities on our, on our own part. So I pray that we will show up and we will participate and do the things that we need to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. May the Lord keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Have a fantastic day. Have a blessed week. And see you tomorrow or see you tonight. Bye. God bless you, Pastor Stephanie. Thank you, Pastor Stephanie. Bye. Bye. Bye.